0: And welcome to episode four of the Foot in the Crease podcast. I am Angela Lippa, joined by my uh, cohorts. We'll start off with uh, Michael Chikine. Mike, how are you doing, buddy? Good day, everybody. Doing pretty well. Not too bad. How are you guys doing? good. Taylor, how about you, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm eating a fudgeticle.
1: And I don't know, you can't really see in the background today, but today I'm repping the Milton Winterhawks Optimist Club era jersey. Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah, I see that. I don't mean
1: to, like... (laughs) You know hurt my arm patting myself on the back, but we were quite the elite team in those days. And that actually has a John Tonelli signature, who is, of course, our native son, most famous Milton. Does he, have,
0: does he have an arena named after him in Milton?
1: Yeah,
2: ah. a, few, you know,
0: a few, few pickup games in that barn. Eh? <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a barn. eh, Mikey,
2: like that's yeah. like
1: an, that's a classic, classic. Yeah. Barn they
2: don't make them like that anymore, that's for sure.
1: No, it's got the shallow end board, so like. You know, as attendee, when the guy would rim it around, like you had to move quick. I got pinched a couple times where the guy does the, the, the load up to swing around the boards. And I cheated, you know, to make, because you don't have much time as attendee. And, uh, and the guy turns, shoots it into the empty net. But who hasn't had those, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, before we kick off uh, this week's episode, I'm going to start with a question. Who is the bigger disappointment? Germany, France, or the Dutch? Or the Portugal, too. <laughs> uh,
2: the Maple Leafs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was just going to ask, Mikey. I almost, I almost asked Angelo there. Uh, how does this pertain to the Leafs cap situation? <laughs> yes. <Yeah.
2: laughs>
0: well, that's all we're going to do for this episode. It's just leaf cap situation. We're going to break it down. No, uh,
1: no. <laughs> I would say, honestly... The Dutch, just because um, they never won the big match.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right?
1: So they went, they went, was it 2012? They went up against Spain in the Euro final. Um, and that was like the, t- the, the tip of the golden age of the Dutch. That was Arjen Robben, Van Nistelrooy, Van Percy, Like that team was the best international team of, say, the last 25 years that never won anything. Yeah. And now the team's falling apart. I don't even think they them and Italy were the two that didn't qualify for the last uh well
2: well they hadn't they hadn't qualified for not only the World Cup but I think the last euros they didn't qualify for either yeah and then, and then like the Italians had a resurgence and coming out of their group stage, they were red hot and yeah i I gotta agree with you there the Dutch Ooh, the, I think the
1: Netherlands were red hot you
2: mean yeah ne- Netherlands were red hot.
1: Yeah, but they were facing, like, North Macedonia, which isn't even really a country, and, like, the Ukraine. W- wasn't that their group?
2: Uh, Ukraine are going to the quarterfinals. Yeah, they won uh,
0: today, right? It's,
2: you know. Yeah, I, but still, I mean, going up against the the Czechs. I mean, Fran- France, just the fashion in which they lost it in. Like, that was very <laughs> Maple Leaf-esque, the way France lost that one.
0: A team Total like that, a team like them, they don't lose in penalty well, very rare do they lose in penalty kicks. Yeah, but the B Bicks, uh, but three one. Like that game was over. Yeah. It's three one with what I think there was ten minutes to go. Ten minutes to go. You know, I mean, that's like sign sealed delivered for any soccer match. So Yeah,
2: that's Switzerland like that
0: Switzerland
1: France game I would argue is the one of the crazier international sporting events in the last mm-hmm. fifteen years. That wasn't like a championship game, that was just say like a it had, you know, it had that same kind of like, holy shit. Uh, not to always bring everything back to hockey, but like that TJ Oshie uh, Olympic uh, shootout kind of like when the U.S. was it the U.S. and Russia in the shootout. I kind of had that vibe a little bit today. But um, yeah, crazy man. It's a it's a very interesting Euro. And well, who's your answer? What would you say, Angela? I would
0: have I, I would have said the Dutch. You know, just because of everything, but I kind of always expect them to choke it away or, you know, fall short. They're kind of like the San Jose sharks of, if you compare them to, you know, a hockey team, like, the
1: Leafs, man. No,
0: say I it. can't say the No, Leafs. no, you know what? Cause England, Cause the Leafs won, the Leafs. right. There's, there's championship history with the Leafs. There's never been championship history with the Dutch. It's always failure after failure. So rides made, if, if I'm going to say one, it's probably Germany because mm-hmm. when I look at them, they're the powerhouse. They seem to always be the team to beat or one of the teams to beat. And for them to get, you know, blanked by. Yeah, but,
2: but this year, though, the Germans weren't the same this year. Like yeah. they don't have the, the power up front. Mm-hmm. And, and England, well, of course, like every year coming into it, we're one of the favorites, right? Yeah. But, um, but that entire group, that group of death, are all eliminated.
0: One. All eliminated. I'll say
1: that Manuel Neuer I never realized he was as old as he is too which makes you think like that that's an aging group right yeah uh, that's uh Thomas uh oh goodness what's his name anyway like they they uh they're they're a little bit of an aging group it reminds but but yeah like the Dutch the thing with the Dutch is uh you know I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel either like you compared it to Mikey like Italy's up and coming. Even if Italy lost, I would still feel good. If yeah, I mean, they're, they're through, I'd feel good about the direction they're headed, just because they have so much young firepower. But yeah, touch, it's like I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, see where they go from here.
2: Yeah, no, that's a major disappointment for sure. Anyways, Lippa. Lippa. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: how many, how many times, how many times the day after did you rewatch that
0: overtime? I've, goal? I've heard the, I've heard the overtime goal at least. A good a hundred times because um i listen to like I listen to the radio at work and I benefit of listening to t s n uh t s n six ninety which is the montreal you know t s n sports talk radio stuff, and it literally got played almost every twenty minutes every sports update, so I've heard it a bunch of times and I've watched it a bunch of times, and even now you know when we're recording this podcast. I'm still in disbelief that it even happened because I thought it like, I really like, if you look at how it, the goal even was created, it was off a patch ready, a price save on patch ready. And then another save where it hit price pretty much in the neck and it bounced all the way to Gallagher to get it up to Deno and to and to score. And I'm just like, you don't see that, like that, that much of a bounce, even in game three when Montreal had the bounce where they were getting completely dominated completely outplayed you know and flurry makes a a gaff that you know we have we've seen before but it's been a long time since we've seen a gaff of that magnitude and you know it led to montreal getting their wheels back and ended up kind of being the turning point in the series because vegas wins that game you know you have montreal down already you have montreal down again to one you know losing home ice advantage and you know you get Stone and Patch ready kind of away from Dano, who's been, you know, sort of a monster this playoffs and shutting down, you know, every team's top line whoever it might be whether it was, you know, the previous series with Winnipeg and shutting down Wheeler and Neilers and, you know, those guys or against the Leafs where he, you know, effectively shut down Matthews and Marner, you know. So How are no, those
2: But honestly those bounces uh that you're referring to that's just the way that this Habs run is going, right? Yeah. Like it, you, you look back the first series. There were certain plays, like the and I say this, still game five, when it was zero zero beginning of the game. It was all Toronto. Simmons puts one off the crossbar. Mm-hmm. He had it. You can see where he was going. Overpriced the shoulder, puts off the crossbar, and right away I had that feeling that you you get you feel where it's going. Right. It was sure a little enough,
1: really to feel that way, Mikey. No,
2: but it just no because Toronto had to. I, my feeling was they had to end it then and it, I think Toronto if they went up that game it, it's over but it goes off the crossbar and then Montreal gets a couple and then it's like okay here and then it just and then as the series progressed with the Canadians like that that flurry mistake like how many like are you kidding me with a minute to go and, and Vegas is up and that's how Montreal ties it they win it and uh, it's just continue on that way and that save by price which led to the overtime winning goal I mean It's just the way it's going from Montreal right now, so...
1: Well, so so full disclosure to the listeners, we're recording this on Tuesday, June 29th, so uh, we're just recapping the end of the third round, and last night, the Canadians um, uh, faced Vegas and... uh, Or not Vegas, sorry. Um, Tampa. Canadians faced Tampa in in the first game of the Stanley Cup Finals, and uh, it was ugly, and... Um, you know, my perception on the team is that they're going to need price to stand on his head. They're going to need to continue to have those four shutdown, uh, you know, key cogs on defense, but they are going to need to find a way to put the puck in the net. Cause everyone keeps talking about Edmondson and Schrott, Like they're like 10 time Norris trophy winners, but I'm like, you got Hedman, you got, um, like even guys like Jan Ruda, but McDonough and, um, They're just like, Tampa's D is just, I would argue, just as deep. Vasilevsky Mm -hmm. and Price are neck and neck. And maybe I'd even give the edge to Montreal on their D. The edge, right? But they don't have a player like Hedman, but maybe as a whole the edge. But, like, their offensive structure is is, – they're going to need Deneau. Like, the thing is, is even if Deneau brings his A game, that's one shutdown line against two – of the most potent offensive lines that Tampa has. And the thing is, as we even saw last night, like Tampa's structure on on forward is similar to the, the Leafs were, but Montreal effectively shut down the two lines first by, you know, basically severing the head off John Saveras. And then secondly, by shutting down Matthews and Marner. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how Montreal responds in game two. What was your takeaway on it, Ange?
0: Well, my takeaway is a little different than yours. I don't think they got completely outplayed. I think there were some bounces that just you know didn't go their way. the The third charot the the third goal or charot basically as a left handed shot, he's going to try to bat it to the corner, you know, to try, sort of restart the play. And he's got a hand off his stick, and being a left handed shot, it's you know he's holding it in a strong hand in the right hand, and it just bounces off his stick and goes in the net. and some of the bounces that Tampa was getting, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, you're going to have to start, you know, pushing a little bit and you have to create your own luck a little bit now. And Tampa's a great team. Like, you know, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. They're back here for a reason. It's not by fluke. You know, I know everybody wants to bring up the whole, you know, 21 million over the salary cap or whatever it is. But at the end of the (laughs) day, what's that?
1: I said, who's everyone? No, it,
0: everybody. Every time, like Dougie Hamilton, brought it up in the Carolina series that oh, we yeah. lost to a team that was eighteen million over the cap. And, it's not
1: cheating, though. But, but I
0: and like, like, and I don't, and I don't view it as cheating because at the end of the day, this is what dynasties do, right? This is what the Chicago Blackhawks did for how many years? Like Patrick Kane was Let's, always, let's, not, let's not talk about that hockey club right in, now. Eh? What Chicago? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know
1: the team
0: team that we shall not we shall not but (laughs) you see it's sort of the thing where the superstar or you know close to a superstar who makes a lot of money like Pittsburgh had that happen how many times where Crosby was out or Malcolm was out for you know basically the majority of you know the back half of the season so that you know they could make a a a pick here or you know grab a, uh, someone at the trade deadline to add that extra depth piece that they needed to go win the cup. So when I look at Tampa and I look at Montreal, you know, it's Tampa's got the, the firepower, like far and away, Montreal does not have that Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman type. Braden Point. Braden Point as well, who scores every game for. Braden
1: Point is like the, everyone always talks about like Barkov and, <laughs> And Couturier is, like, the most underrated players in hockey. Braden Point, if he plays in Toronto, Montreal, Rangers, yeah. he, he's, like, you know, one of the top players in the league. Sorry, continue, edge.
0: So, you know, when I look at that, it's Montreal's depth, as it has been this whole playoffs, is what's going to help them to venture on. They started last series off with a loss, sort of similar fashion, where you had I, – I when I watched the game, it's kind of like – there are things that Tampa did and Vegas did that Toronto and Winnipeg just didn't do, and it was pressure Montreal in their own zone more than they had been pressured in this two other series. So Montreal, they got to make adjustments. At the end of the day, it's like any team coming after a loss. You know, when I look at them, it'll be Carey Price. At the end of the day, the Montreal Canadiens for the last 14 years, they go as Carey Price goes. So if Carey Price lets in four goals, it's they're not going to win. But if Carey Price is the carry Price that's been, you know, the X factor over the last three series, they have the chance. They have the shot. You know, you've gotten this far. It wasn't by, you know, yes, there has been some luck along the way, but you don't win 12 games in the playoffs by fluke at the end of the day, right?
1: Mm. Mikey, where do you see this going?
0: This series?
2: Yeah. Who? Cool. I'm taking Montreal in six games, despite what happened last night game one's only one game doesn't matter how you lose, and I just think that Montreal's come back so many times in this playoff run now they may maybe start to run out of gas, who knows, but at this point, um I'm still taking Montreal in six games. I just think their resiliency and the way that they've been finding ways to shut each team that they've played down uh they work as a unit, you know what I mean, and the goals the lack of goal scoring we talked about it. All playoffs again, yeah, but they can't score. But they've, they've been finding ways. Guys has been putting the puck in the net. So, um, as much as it tears me apart to say it, I I think Montreal will find a way to win this series. Right.
1: I disagree with you, but I do agree with uh, – I love the way they're playing. I just – Tampa is so good, man. Like, I think Montreal just – the way they've been playing, especially with Price on the back end. It reminds me – the team really reminds me a little bit of that St. Louis team with – because Saint Louis, when they won the cup, um, you know Petro uh, was kind of their star player, but like Tarasenko was their big sniper. Who's not? He's a good player, but like he's not much more than like a thirty goal, sixty point guy. Um, and that's kind of how Montreal's built a little bit, where it's just balanced throughout and just guys who want to who want it, right? Like um, the tenacity they show is something that we crave for as Leaf fans, you know. Um, yeah. You know, they'll build statues of you if you play like that. Christ, they might build a statue of Zach Hyman, even though he won shit on the most disappointing Leafs team of all time, you yeah. know, in terms of Leaf era. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's brilliant. But Tampa, man, like I, I have Tampa and five. that put money on it too, sorry.
0: Five? Oh, man. Come on.
1: I think Montreal will sneak one at home at the Bell Center, but uh, that that that's going to be that.
0: I, when I look at you, look It can go either way, I, I think that It's a little different, like This whole year has been completely different Like the Habs playing, you know Their first round opponent, the Leafs Ten times this year, We've never, we haven't seen that Hasn't been done since what, the 60s the, When it was the original six mm-hmm. You know, also playing Winnipeg Same thing, and then having to go over And, and play a Western Conference team For the the Clarence Campbell, whatever trophy Whatever mm-hmm. it's called It's wild. And- whatever, whatever it is. But, you know, Montreal winning the, the Western Conference or whatever they were calling it at the time, you know, we, we, it's been such an odd year and now we have them playing Tampa and this is – in a normal year, never see this. They would have mat, met up in the conference finals yeah. if anything or even in the, the second round because of, you know, balancing and whatever. Yeah. But when I look at this specific matchup – it's not just Carey Price as well. It's going to be that f- de facto first line. It's kind of like it, it's a, whoever the first line is, which is Caulfield, Suzuki, and tofoli Because last night they were a combined minus nine. That's an ugly. It is an ugly minus nine. They weren't. They they seemed overwhelmed. They did get matched up a lot against Braden Point and Kucherov, which is a yeah. tall. It's a tall order for any. nightmare.
1: Nightmare for any. To any yeah. line
0: in the league, man. And, and I'll give John Cooper a lot of credit because he did something that uh, uh what's his name? Pete DeBoer didn't do, Paul Maurice didn't do, and uh, Sheldon Keefe didn't do, which was get his big guns away from Philip Deneau mm-hmm. When you have home ice advantage, what do you do? You try and get him as far away from Philip Dono as possible because he's shown all playoff long with Gallagher and Lekanen or Evans, whoever was on the left wing side that they'll shut your top line down without, you know, you know, they'll, they'll give them, they'll, they'll still have those scoring opportunities, but they're not the high danger opportunities that they, you know, you typically see during the regular season.
1: So- you know, I, 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 really love Nick Suzuki in particular, mm-hmm. especially when he played junior, just was an incredible player. And I thought that trade was a mistake off the get-go for Vegas, but um I think it's good for all of the media because Cole Caulfield and, to a lesser degree, Kakanyemi and and, uh, and Suzuki have become like the like media darling sensations, like su- super vunderkins. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, they've done well and they they fit a great uh, uh, slot and scored time and goals all playoffs. But they're they're not just going to give them the cup, right? Like no. they still have to go out and play. And for them to be a dash nine be a tough pill to swallow and to wake up to the next morning and think about what went wrong. But who knows, man, they're a resilient group. Like I, I could see them coming back and maybe sneak in one game two. It could happen, but uh, you know, we'll see. Five uh, one was ugly, man. Like yeah. you don't want to, you don't want to lose five one in game one.
0: No, it's not a, it, it, it's not a good look at the end of the day, but you know, like Mike, uh, I've talked, Mike, Mike, Mikey's messaged me numerous times like, game six where he, he said, you know, he wished me good luck. I haven't gotten a good luck, He not against Winnipeg, you know, not even against – and he wished me good luck. And even in the group chat he's, he said, Habs are going to win in overtime. And I didn't want it to go to overtime because I can't I can't stand it. It's just too much. But it ends pretty fast now, it seems. Overtime's not a, a long, prolonged, like, four-overtime affair like it used to be. But getting that text and, like, you know, even game, before game seven was even played against the Leafs where he's – it's over. Him knowing it's over, and knowing that. Well, I told you, like man. I've had I've like, had bad feelings yeah. this
2: whole playoffs, yeah. and Montreal keeps fucking winning.
0: <laughs> like, like, and I know,
2: I know. I said Habs in overtime the other night. I gotta tell you guys this a quick story. So, that same night that they won in overtime, uh, wife and I are, are looking to move. So, put an offer on a place. Didn't get the place. We're really disappointed. So, my wife was up, or Erica was up throughout the night because uh, she couldn't sleep because of that. I woke up throughout the night, checked my phone, saw Montreal won in overtime, and I could not fall asleep because of that. So the, <laughs> next, the next morning, I, I tell her, like, oh, I couldn't sleep last night. She's like, yeah, me too, because of the house. I said, no, because I checked my phone in Montreal fucking won overtime. <laughs> like, I, like I, I'm, I'm wishing you luck, but at the same time, I was laying in it's, bed being like, Toronto is up. Three games to one, and now Montreal's going to the Stanley Cup final. Oh, man. Are you There's, fucking a, segment, really? got- there's a
1: segment of Leaf fans, you have to realize, Ange, that mm-hmm. are rooting for the Habs because yeah. they want to see the team that put them out. Mm-hmm. They want to justify the loss. And you know what? In previous years, who what was it who went on to win the Cup? Was it –
2: uh,
1: When Toronto lost to them in the first round – well, I don't think that any of the teams have gone on to win a cup because I was just thinking with this group – Boston's gone to the final
2: twice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, either way, it's like um, that tends to happen. But I'm like, man, this is our biggest historical rival. We can't – and it's a shit show over here at the house. I don't even want to get into it with uh, some of the nonsense been going on. Um, Because to be honest, I'm just turning a blind eye to it. Every time conversations come up, I just say – uh, for, for, cares about hockey, for, <laughs> for those
0: that are unaware, Taylor's wife is a Montreal Canadiens fan. So I imagine after the Leaf series, you know, she's walking around and probably just, just giving it to you. But now that they're at this point, it must be Bedlam in the house.
1: You know, she's so nice. Uh, I often think about how um, she's such a more gracious winner than I would have been. Mm-hmm. Like I would have, you know, been – Goose stepping like I was about to invade Poland around the house after, you know, the round one win. If the lease had somehow closed the, the door, but no, she was cool about it. But it's a, you know, all of a sudden the kids are starting to wear, you know, all of a sudden these Habs uh, little ones <laughs> are showing up. And I'm just like, this is not, this is nonsense. So I, even for like just my own sanity, I I really need Montreal to lose.
2: <laughs> Man, I, I'm telling you, Texas, you got to be a good father and not put them through the misery that we've gone through. Don't, don't raise them as Leaf fans. Just don't do it. Look, bring them up and
1: don't attack them. It's
2: going to be 30 years from now, they're going to be doing a podcast. the same,
0: same exact same thing that we're talking about right now. But they'll be bl- and they'll be blaming their dads for, <laughs> you know, like yeah. let me be a Leaf fan. I can't believe it. It's
1: yeah. <laughs> the size of James, man, I'm hoping he's the one on the ice, so
0: we'll see. <laughs> uh, as Le- okay, I'll ask you guys because I kind of know how Mike feels, but if Montreal's to go on and win the cup, do you take a little more, you know, solace in the whole thing of knowing that what happened to the Leafs happened to the, you know, where they lost to the eventual Stanley cup champions. Do you take anything out of that? You'd be like, okay, well, at least we lost to the, you know, the cup champions and not a team that, you know, not our, not just our biggest rival, but someone, you know, that went on to win the cup. Cause you know, I know in 2011 when Montreal played Boston and Montreal lost in seven games, you know, Boston ended up winning the cup. And it was kind of like, well, at least we lost to the, you know, the Stanley Cup champs, we were the ones who probably gave them the most fits, you know, not just because of being division rivals, but the long time rivalry. And anytime Montreal and Boston played, it didn't matter the record. It's always just, it happens. So do you take anything out of that? If, if, you know, in a week and a half or two weeks, whatever it is, you know, Montreal's winning the Stanley Cup. Do you take anything out of that? Um,
2: no, I think I get what you're saying. And yeah. yeah, like when the Leafs, when Boston knocked the Leafs out, went to the finals, I didn't mind if they won for that reason. But the Leafs are up three games. Like I just, it still makes me sick to think about. And and five and six going to overtime and not being able to close it out. And now they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Like I get what you're saying. And I don't yeah. like me personally, I don't mind if Montreal wins. I'd rather see fans of Montreal celebrate a Stanley Cup than people down in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But just the fact that Toronto was so close, I think it'll There'll be days where it eats at me that they couldn't close it out. Thomas Mueller. That
1: was the player on Germany I couldn't think of.
2: Yeah, they had to call him back. He had retired.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, the goalie, um, Neuer filled in for Oliver Kahn. So Oliver Kahn retired and then Manuel Neuer took mm-hmm. over. But – Neuer and Willard, they were the old guy. Like, they're way older than I thought they were. Tony Cruz. Anyway, I digress. Um, I I echo the same sentiment as Mikey, Angelo. I don't – we are sick to our stomachs about what has gone on, the nonsense over the last six years. Mm -hmm. But really the nonsense, say, over the last two weeks. Because the last two years have been filled with such promise – and uh like unfulfilled promises. Um, like to be honest, man, that Columbus, I'm still more upset over the Columbus uh like playing round nonsense. Like that was like they made Pierre-Luc Dubois look like the second coming of Bob Gainey. But um, you know, just all in all, it's it's a tough time. It's a tough time to uh Take a step back and like try and assess how it'll make us feel as Leaf fans if Montreal yeah. wins the cup, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's a tough time. Maybe ask us in a week from now if they somehow squeak it some out. If they somehow
0: pull out. it off, I would agree.
1: The,
2: the only thing I think uh, keeping me from thinking about it too much or being too down about the Habs right now is the fact that the Italians are still in this. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're still in the Euros. Thank God the Euros started right after the Leafs got knocked <laughs> out. Takes some of
0: my uh, focus away. Take some of the anger away. Oh, we get. Yeah. We'll jump back more into the Stanley Cup stuff once uh, our bar down insider Christian Marin joins no, us. I,
2: no, I was going to ask you guys what you thought of the Everly. Yeah, Everly. Sorry, the the Nuge? The Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, of,
1: yeah, I'd say let's talk about some of these signings here. Um, the Nuge one is ugly, man. Um, that's a huge commitment for. Uh, uh, kind of a secondary uh, scoring player on a maybe the only other maybe the only team more disappointing than toronto yeah. um i think i, I think
0: know. more disappointing than toronto because you know at least uh, like fine you know what the leaves blow a 3-1 lead but edmonton got swept like absolutely destroyed in the playoffs and yeah. you have the mvp of the you have the back-to-back, and back-to-back-to-back MVPs are leaving McDavid, tricettle and now McDavid, who was announced as the, you know, the Hart Trophy winner this year. Yeah. You have, you know, Darnell Nurse, who's a, you know, potential top five, if not already a top five defenseman in the making. You know, there's some no pieces goal- already there. No but no goaltending is the big problem there. And you go and you sign Nuge to this, this deal, and it's like, well wouldn't you want to try to fix that, you know, third, third line center? Cause that's pretty much what he is. He's a third line center. Wouldn't you try and, you know, either sign him to, you know, maybe lesser money so you can add a goaltender, you know, some other pieces alongside uh, McDavid and dry settle because Kyler Yamamoto, he ain't it James Neal ain't it. You know, you can't always put, you know, McDavid, Tricycle together. You know, the thing
2: is, though, he's making forty-one for the eight years, right? Mm-hmm. It, I, I haven't looked at the breakdown of it. Is it? It's like just over five a year, then.
0: Yeah, it would work out right? to be.
2: Or, yeah. or did they, or is it structured differently?
0: Might be structured a little differently. Here, let me pull up. uh
1: either way you know the thing is with this team like it's not just goaltending uh the concerning thing to me like I remember having to look up who Ryan McLeod was like their second line center going yeah. into game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs like they have no forward depth right because yeah. they had Nuge on that second line with Cassian and I don't want to badmouth Cassian because I heard he's an absolute beauty but um like Cassian's not a second line player on any team in the National Hockey League.
0: Yeah. He's a nice he's a nice like, you know, fill in piece kinda on the fourth line, third line, you know. The
1: bottom six, third line, great third line yeah. player and and even better fourth line mm-hmm. player. But like second line, he should be like if you are putting him in the second line, you better have two studs on the second line to play with him, right? Yeah. Like if you're gonna have him in like a like a Zach Hyman digging the puck out and getting the puck to the players role. But man, like that team is so thin and it goes, and not always to bring everything back to the least, but it goes to show you like the top heavy teams like that, um, that formula hasn't proven itself remotely. No. It,
0: the And going back to Mikey's point of uh, Mike talking about the, um, the length of the deal, how it structures, it works out to be about, 5.125 million each season moving forward. So about roughly five, no. just over five and a half million.
2: So that's season. not bad. That's not bad now, but it's a no trade. He's got no trade. No, trade.
0: no movement. Yeah, the whole, it's whole not, no movement.
2: It's
1: not a bad number for him, but that's a team that needs to be blown up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The no movement. I, I would be worried about yeah. that.
1: It's, it's like JVR. It would be like bringing back JVR or Bozak, you know, mm-hmm. like, like they weren't bad players for Toronto, um, but it was time to move on. It was time mm-hmm. to kind of shut the door on that chapter. Like if I was the Oilers, I would, I'd be open to anything. I would literally be open to anything. That's how disappointing they've been. Obviously, McDavid would be like a no-fly zone, but I'd be open to Dry Sidle. I'd be open to and McDavid. You'd have to come with like a Matthews or something of that caliber to even not hang up the phone offended right but like they have been so disappointing that if they did move like a big piece like if they move dry and Nuge, say for example they, imagine what they could fetch back they could fill out the rest of their roster right because right like, now
0: know? like when you look at when you go to cap friendly which is a great site and you look at their team as a whole it's like like you mentioned ryan mcleod it's like he's nothing to like be like oh okay well we have him like Devin Shore, Jesse Pugliarvi has not been the player that, you know, he was drafted to be. You still have, uh, you know, like Tyler Ennis is on this team. Patrick Russell, you know, I mentioned Kyler Yamamoto, yeah, Dominic Calhoun.
1: I think Yamamoto is going to be a good player, but, like, mm-hmm. I'm just looking now. Their third line was Devin Shore, Jujar Kara, mm-hmm. and Alex Chason. Like, yeah. that is not that is not getting mm-hmm. it done in the National Hockey League today.
0: Um and they have, you know, Koskinen, who's not a goal. I don't know how, you know, any. I know Peter Shirelli's, you know, there's a reason why he's one of the reasons why he's not allowed to ever be a GM in this league ever again. But that that hurts, and it isn't like you know the Oilers like draft very well either. It's not like they've had a, a, a history of success really drafting other other than McDavid and Drysail. The rest of, have all been pretty much busts, you know, like. like Nuge has been okay, but he wasn't. The, he's not a number one pick, you know. At the end of the day, Taylor Hall, same thing. K- uh, Nelly Akapov, like the list goes on and on for them. Jesse Plea Harvey's another one. So you know, I know Leaf fans. You know, you, you know they sometimes you know get on their team, but at least you have players. At least like you know the organization makes at least moves to you know make you guys really competitive. Give you competitive depth throughout the lineup whereas Edmonton it's just it's almost like you need to partially trade you have to trade either a dry or I wouldn't say trade McDavid but we've seen that franchise trade you know all-time greats before right
1: man Eberly and Hall on that lineup would be so good mm-hmm. out, you know and like Eberly basically they got nothing for him because they yeah. traded him for Strom and then that turned into Spooner and then that turned into Gagne yeah. and then Hall turned into Larson I mean they're still employing Larson but like Taylor Hall went on to win the MVP you know that might man Peter Shirelli God bless him because he's actually related to me I don't know if you guys know this he's my mom's cousin um so, which would make him so, guess,
0: a, so we shouldn't talk we'll not talk bad about him too bad <laughs> I, mean, I don't know him that well. Like,
1: i don't see him at like family gatherings or anything mm-hmm. like that but he's a Python, he's Calabres. but uh the craziest thing with him was like the miko koskinen you know mm-hmm. he signs him to a three-year contract extension after like an iffy half season and then two days later he gets fired it was mm-hmm. like a really bizarre chain of events you know um uh, but nonetheless, Edmonton, they're in a tough spot. I would The Nuge one uh, makes me scratch my head a little bit, but it makes me wonder if that's uh, maybe the first domino to fall and then something big is going to happen. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. What was the other? What did you think of the uh, Wayne Simmons deal today, Mikey?
2: Um, I, I like it. I'm glad they brought him back because I thought he was playing very well before he got hurt. For whatever reason after his injury, he just couldn't get couldn't get it going. Um, so I do like that signing. I just don't wanna see them bring Thornton back. I'm yeah. worried I'm worried that that's what they're gonna do next. Because I don't know, Thornton like I get it in, in like the in the room and stuff, but like I don't know, man. I, I think Simmons was a lot more um effective before his injury. Mm-hmm. than Thornton really was all season. So
1: He was, he was like, slotted in the yeah. second uh, – like, he was on the second line with Nylander and Tavares, playing fantastic before the injury.
2: Yeah, and, and he was scoring goals on the power play in front of the net, dirty goals, which they could have used, right, in that series. So, I, I like the Simmons. How about you?
1: I, I mean, for me, I, I think getting him just a little bit above league men because I think he was one and a half this year, and he's basically signed that for two years. Yeah, Uh, it's a win win. I think it's great. I think he's when he's when he was healthy, like you said, great player. And I just think all, all around, he's a fantastic asset to have. And he's not remotely to blame for, you know, the lack of effort in the playoffs. He just didn't have the legs after him. Like, you know, you sit on your ass for eight weeks. During COVID, you're limited to what you can do. Like, I think it would be hard in the best of circumstances to be able to come out of that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, so who do we got here on
0: the line, Edge? Well, you know, joining us for his uh weekly uh segment is our bar down insider Christian Marin, who's probably thinking, What did I join? And why are they talking about, and why are they talking about the Leafs again?
3: Do you think I I knew right away <laughs> who they were talking about, which it is I called it. But uh, I have got nothing against Wayne Simmons. I love Wayne Simmons. Christian, I've got to Wayne some Inspires jersey. So Christian,
1: like man, thanks for joining us. We were actually just talking about how another year has come and gone where Louis Erickson was not uh, up for the Hart Trophy. We were just wanting to get your feedback on that and see if you had any insider info as to why that didn't that come to be.
3: I heard he's on the trading block right now. Oh, yeah. I heard the Canucks are trying to trade him.
2: See, that is insider info. That's why. I've been waiting four weeks for that little bit
1: of information.
2: I heard he's been
3: on the block for the last, like, six years, but I heard he's on the block right now.
1: Christian Marin's a Louis Erickson apologist, man. He was crying the blues when they shipped him out for that shitty player, Tyler Sagan.
3: Yeah, it was one trade. I remember when that happened, I was like, oh, they're trading Louis Erickson, but they're getting Tyler Sagan. See ya.
2: Yeah. Uh, Christian, actually, I don't know you guys don't know this. He's a big Alex Chason guy. Oh wow! Yeah, some some good times with the starters yeah. <laughs> can, can we
1: get a confirmation on pronunciation? Like, is he French Canadian? Is it Chason or like Chason or what is it? Because I always think of Steve Chason, right? He was a
0: player back in the day.
2: Yeah, Christian, what's the insider I, word on I'm that? I'm not the
3: insider there. I thought Lippo was the yeah. The I, he
0: he okay. might be. It might be Chase on. I don't know.
1: see is he, is, maybe he's a fellow Pieson, Maybe he's a big team Italy fan. He's on. Yeah. He's probably from the West. Yeah,
0: Island, the Montreal if Anything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, going back to Wayne Simmons before we, you know, jump into uh, Christian Marin, and uh, I have a question to ask him. A little burden I had with him uh, back in the last episode, but. Uh, for the Leafs, you know, at least he'll get to play in front of fans, which I'm sure he's going to be looking forward to being from Toronto. It's not a bad signing at the end of the day, you know, depth player. I love Wayne Simmons too. I'm a big Wayne Simmons fan. Always drafted him in fantasy because, you know, he's a machine. He hits, he blocks, you know, he's not the Wayne Simmons of, you know, five years ago, but, you know, he's still a solid player. could have been a Montreal Canadian, but. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I didn't blame. I don't blame him for signing the, with the
3: Leafs. At the end of the day, you guys signed Corey. Perry we signed Corey and, uh... Perry, which
0: has been pretty good too. So uh, I'll take it. But uh, I just have remember... when you guys when Montreal
3: signed him, I remember Michael just being like, "Are you kidding me? Like that's who the Leafs should have signed."
1: <laughs> Christian, did you did you uh, did you think the Corey Perry deal was going to pan out as nice as it has for Montreal? Well,
3: Corey Perry is a nice like. Even when the stars picked him up. Like it's a nice for what you pay for him, he's a playoff guy. Like that's when you that's what you're paying for, right? Like so I mean Montreal I wasn't really sold in on anyways coming into the playoffs. Um and I still hear lipless five in my five. from last episode. <laughs> I heard it all series long in my head. Um but yeah, no, um I didn't I didn't think that it would work out the way it did. I thought I—I was with you guys and thinking Toronto was going to beat Montreal in the first round. So here we are.
0: Here we are. Stanley Cup finals, baby.
1: So let's get on to the uh, NHL awards. We haven't really dug into that. Jokingly, I said, Louis Erickson. Um, but we'll see what the vampire in BC manages to do with him. He must be melting with all the heat wave they're getting right now. But uh, with that said, we've got um, – for the Hart Trophy, McDavid, I think he was the slam slam dunk winner. Was there any surprises there, guys, or was that, uh, was that pretty much what you thought it was going to be?
2: No, I think uh, writing was all on the wall. It was going to be McDavid after the season he had this year. I just always find it – giving out the awards, you know what I mean, in the Stanley Cup Finals, like, nobody cares. Honestly, like – it's McDavid, true. <laughs> McDavid wins this award, and like I, I could care less. Like, yeah, he had—I don't even know how many points he had this year. You know, you know what I remember is him being swept in the first round.
1: Fair, honestly, and then, <laughs> and then
2: with Flurry won the Flurry won the Vesna, right?
1: That was come on. There's some interest. You know, you know right? what
2: I remember there is him bobbling the puck, letting the Habs tie it up in game oh, three. Frick. That's what I remember. I Thought
1: you were gonna talk about World Juniors. You're so, you're so pissed <laughs> at the world right now, Mikey. I thought you were gonna bring him up. You you didn't get into
3: the you didn't get into the Rocket Richard trophy though, Mike.
0: Oh (laughs) don't get him him started. Get
1: me started. And who won uh, won the Selkie? Was that Yuri Lettinen again?
3: I think so. (laughs) Yuri Lettinen award.
0: Oh that one I'm I'm a little surprised about because it's kind of the Patrice Bergeron Award at the end of the days. Still, the best two-way center in hockey. One of the he's a machine, you know, unstoppable. And I get it, you know, Barkov's an elite, elite talent. But I always think that it should be just, Patrice, just give it to Patrice Bergeron at the end of the day because he's he's a monster.
1: Dude, the GM, coach, Selkie, and and um, Lady Bing Trophy mm-hmm. are four of the dumbest individual awards in all of sports. They are ridiculous and are so arbitrary. Like Hart Trophy, great. Norris, great. Vesna, great. Maybe the Coach of the Year is needed. But the problem with all these trophies, like the Coach of the Year, every year they just give it to the coach of the team that was not expected to do as well as they ended up doing. Why not give it to the actual Coach of the Year? You know what I mean? Like. Like they, like you never hear John Cooper up for it. Like the guy fucking doesn't do anything but win in Tampa. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, if they structured the the voting on that differently, it wouldn't bother me as much. But the GM of the year is like, they just, everyone gives it to Lou because they're afraid to get whacked. Right. And then you've got the heart trophy, which is, or not the heart trophy, the lady Bing, which is the biggest crock of shit on the planet. Like,
0: is it because you lit someone up in Mainway that one year?
1: Wow. And I'm not, listen, I'm never gonna win a lady bing in my life, but
3: I think that guy's stick is still stuck in the rafter. <laughs> <laughs> one of his shoes might be yeah. up there too.
1: <laughs> Keep your head up, man. That's what it's <laughs>
3: I, even that, that's a memory that's still stuck in my brain. Semester. Taylor just turned to the ref being like, come on. The guy is like <laughs> laying on the ground, sticks on the other side of the building. Just <laughs> rocked.
1: Yeah. Got, <laughs> someone yelled from the bench, he's got kids. He's got to work tomorrow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, good time. Oh, he's man. got a
1: family.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, man. Christian, what do you th- we touched on this earlier. What do you think of the uh, Nugent Hopkins deal?
3: honestly that's a that's a that's a wild deal like yeah. that's so wild like so wild <laughs> when I was ready for the show this morning uh, the producer messaged me and he's like can you write a quick like 15 second Nugent Hopkins story so my first thought was it's like they're not re-signing him we got like one or two years type of thing then I go and see that he's signed until he's like what 35 or something and it's going to be like 18 seasons with the oilers by the time his contract runs up like yeah what like he the last few years minus this year he's, he was putting up like decent points not what like what they expected him to be in terms of all the hype that was around him to begin with but you know he was a like 60 points or something like that which is still solid but yeah. then this year you saw that bit of a drop off and which is a bit surprising too with when you got two of the like best players on your team in the game. And we're just putting up point or two points per game type of thing. Every single, single game, you think you'd get in on that a bit more this year too. But that, that was a wild deal to me. And it's like 5 million a year, which isn't too bad, I guess, when the cap changes and everything, if you're getting but, 60 but points from he's him. Got, he's, got, he's, got he
2: the no, he's got the no movement. And that and too, right? Like, and at the end of the day, that's just going to come down to him too. Yeah.
1: that's our padded from playing on the power play with McDavid mm-hmm. and tri
3: that yeah i i I'm still just baffled by it i can't I can't believe that like
0: he that he's people. someone i I really would have thought like a team like the Kraken would have gone after and been like, you know we can have this guy sort of just you know be the mentor to you know whatever direction they are going in, which is if we can talk about it later just about the the coaching decision they 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 made in the hiring but i when I look at nuge, I don't see the you know a player that is ever gonna, like Christian said, live up to that. You know, he hasn't lived up to the hype of the first round, the first overall pick either. You know, you had the dip this season with the, you know, playing in the same teams, and you know, we saw a lot of guys kind of, especially in the Canadian division, everybody had you know above average years. Like Tyler Toffoli was almost a Rocket Richard. He was, you know, almost, in, I think in the top three oh, of the Rocket I Richard. Relax, man. No, no, he he had like almost thirty goals and. You know, like Chris, like McDavid, almost a point, two points a game. He had a hundred plus points, I think it was. You know, uh, same with Drysidle. You know, you had Matthews, you had Marner. You know, doing their thing. And you know, when you play with McDavid and Drysidle, you know, you and you're not, you know, having some of the best years of your life, especially playing the Ottawa Senators ten times like they did and Vancouver ten times yeah. like they did. You know, that's kind of like a... This is
1: bad, man. This is mm-hmm. really bad. Like, McDavid is on a level not seen... I would say he's surpassed Crosby in terms of... Like, he's the first unanimous winner of the heart. Yeah. Trophy. He's the only unanimous winner of the Hart Trophy other than Wayne Gretzky. Okay? He is... Uh, he's on that upper echelon, like, say, like, trending towards being a top five, top ten of all time. And I'm including, you know the Charlie Conacher era Leafs, um, not to be forgotten. And um, it's like, uh, they needed wholesale changes there, man. I would have gotten rid of everybody and and packaged up like, uh, you, McDavid and Nurse were the only untouchables for me. You could get so much for Dreisaitl and you could still get a ton for for uh Nugent Hopkins and that term, it, it makes him unmovable and he's got a no movement clause. The annual average value is not bad, but like that's too much term for a guy who's never won anything. Is it not?
3: Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's definitely true. And like even McDavid nurse. And even, even if you add in dry set, those three guys, that's so much that you can, that's, you're already like that adds up to like, you're so many steps ahead. If you are rebuilding with those three guys as your key guys, where you can just be like, let these guys walk and spend the money elsewhere for other guys. Is there much for them to replace them with? I don't know. But like, the term is just too, too wild for me. Like it's, well, it's pretty you have, ridiculous. They, they,
1: they compare it to the, to Tampa, right? So you've got like your Stamkos, Kucherov, Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman are kind of like your dry side McDavid and, 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 and uh, Nurse. But then, the drop-off from there, Tampa comes back at you with Braden Point and Yanni Gord and Ryan McDonough and, like, Andre mm-hmm. Pilat and the list goes on. And, like, Edmonton comes at you with Nuge, Cassian, Ryan McLeod, Ethan Bear. Like, they're, they're just not on the same level. They're not at the level they need to be. And even Montreal, like, I would take Montreal's roster in a heartbeat over um, – the Oilers right now. And that includes McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like that's how bad the Oilers depth is. Now that's not to say if I was running the Oilers, I would build around McDavid and Dreisaitl, but it's uh, like just roster to roster. Oilers are so thin, man. That was a bad play. Mm
3: -hmm. And well, the fact that they got nothing for Hall and Eberle, who were (laughs) two guys also who were supposed to be this whole, like turning the franchise around that, and in the end of it, you basically got nothing in return that's going to help turn this team around. It's It's been a downfall basically since the, like, that was how long ago now? Like, what? When, when did you get Shea Weber, Lipa
0: Five years <laughs> same ago. Day, today. Right? Same five, day, right? Same day, right? Five years ago today.
3: Yeah, Dude, that was a little bit. To, too.
1: It's been a downfall since Edmonton lost Cujo to the Leafs. Come on, who are we kidding?
0: <laughs> that's, well, or when they lost Wade Rollison.
1: Yeah. When you know, Anton Carter bounced, that was it for them, man.
0: Yeah. No, but um, I just look at Edmonton, and you know, they're just—it's—it's it's a disaster there. And then, you know, anybody that tries to sell you the bag of goods that yes, we have McDavid, okay, but you know, you don't have any depth, and you're never going to win a cup. You—you've wasted Connor McDavid, and. Congratulations! You have failed as a franchise. Uh,
1: (laughs) Well, just before before I know we're on a time crunch with our insider, and before we let him go, I just wanted to see what's his take on Game One from last night, and what's your prediction for the series?
0: Better not hear it, Christian.
3: Better not hear it. How many games am I picking in this? I already
0: know what you're picking. You're picking five. (laughs) Going five? I already know you're going five.
3: No, I'm going six. For who? Tampa.
2: The Canadian?
3: When you're like $90 million over the cap, there's
2: nothing really anyone else could do, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> no, but not when you come up against Kareem, the Canadian.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, and like there is a chance that Montreal could very well steal the series. They've done it all playoffs. So I, I don't want to... I. I still won't say seven. I'm sorry, but I still think six. Uh, like, you know what, six is, like, just it's Six like, is better than five. Yeah, Tampa's just so stacked. Like, And the same thing with Vegas, but Montreal proved this wrong there, though. So who knows? But again, they're what? $13 million
0: over cap or something like that? So, yeah, And Taylor didn't believe me that I was, when I brought it up earlier in the show, I said, you know, people are bringing up the fact of them being so far over the cap. He's like, who? I go, well, not me, but everybody else. I didn't else. say who. I said you. <laughs> yeah, me. I wasn't the You're only saying... one, though. Yeah,
1: Man, but I, I don't. The, the entire province of Quebec, I can already, you know, if you go online after they lost one game, they're already comparing. Like there was a article in uh, Le Journal de Montréal <clears> that was ta- comparing this Lightning team to the Houston Astros. <laughs> I'm like, come on, God. that's too
3: far. The yeah. only reason why I why I bring up the whole being over the cap thing is because you guys are literally the defending Stanley Cup champions. Like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, why you won it already with what you had? You don't. Need to go over the cap like this and fool your way into the playoffs, yeah. but
1: oh, come on, man! They're using—they're using, using a loophole. They're being—they—they—they fo- found a system deficiency and they took advantage of it. Yeah. Kyle Dubas. I mean, low.
3: yeah, they're—they're they're solid. Vasilevsky is—is
2: is unreal. So yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah Kyle Dubas tried to do that, eh? But. Uh... <laughs> didn't work out. All right, Mikey, come Mike's on. Mike's still sour. He'll always – I think they'll never be able yeah, to he's, – Yeah, he's still bugged. I think this offseason, he should bring back Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton <laughs> and let the two of them play on the first power play. Didn't they already bring back Thornton? Oh, they brought back Spezza and Simmons. Yeah, Spezza and You know what? I don't, want, I don't want to see Joe Thornton ever – I don't want to see him ever again on my TV. Yeah, know Any x ex- Sharks. What Maybe,
0: he, uh, think
1: about the intangibles of him taking the younger guys golfing <laughs> Come
2: on, yeah, he knows when to book the T times four, eh? (laughs) God, oh
1: man. Well, that is our TSN bar down insider.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Michael ended it on a nice note for (laughs) us. The golf photos have made the rounds, and Michael is angrier than he was. Mike is (laughs) out. Mike is out enough. If, it, if Italy gets booked, you know Michael's not coming on the podcast. No, oh, Mike's three. done. Mike, if, Mike.
1: Think about think about the tenacity. Like if the if Marner and Matthew showed like a fraction of the tenacity they showed at the negotiation table on the ice. The podcast, oh, like, fuck, man! It, and at least would be a, a train that wouldn't be stopping anytime soon then. The
3: last three photos I've seen of the Leafs online have been golfing and vacation photos. And the last three photos I've seen of the Habs online have been bloody heads, bloody eyes, (laughs) and a bloody face.
1: Yeah, but then there's a lot of intangibles of development that's happening there that it doesn't, maybe it doesn't look pretty, but they need to happen. You know what I mean? It's like, like how- yeah,
2: they need to go through each stage of how to uh, of losing a playoff round to figure <laughs> out how to win. it. So like, so how next- many
3: stages are there? Because it's what like four four stages now. hold well, on. No, so so
2: the first year they're underdogs against against Washington, right? No, didn't really have a chance. Lost in six, and then the series against Boston, they were down three one, came back, lost in seven. You know what? Good work, guys. You tried hard. Then the year after that, they're up three two. Lost a series in seven. Um, I'm not gonna count the the Columbus thing, and then this year three one. So next year three nothing, blow the series, and then finally they'll learn. I'll after count the Columbus year, one. And they,
1: they can't. They they found a way to lose in a best of five, right?
2: Yo, that's true. Yeah, I, I true. don't know
3: if Leaf Nation and our group chat can handle a three nothing. Blow no. series. Right <laughs> well, I don't no. think our group chat can handle two straight preseason losses at
0: this point. So hey, think was, series <laughs> loss. If the Leafs get out to like a an 0-10 start like they did on many moons ago, the group chat will cease to exist. There will no, I'd rather a- that. I'd rather that start 0
2: ten. Just don't even make the playoffs. <laughs> I don't because I'd rather I'd rather that than them losing the first round. Honest hockey, to God.
1: just finish hockey, hockey, no more hockey, period. Anywhere, anywhere in the world, it's over,
3: right, Mike? <laughs> yeah,
1: I hate it. I hate
3: it. I was going through my uh, old notes on my phone and I found one that basically was the the caption I had ready to go the night that I thought the leaves were gonna finish the series, and I had never got to post that caption. Oh, that's <laughs> oh, bad. <What> was it. <laughs> it what was, was it? just it was probably the same thing that the no the Canadians was about to come back. The Leaves was just literally how they're moving on for the first time in 13
2: years or whatever, how long it's been. <laughs> do you know that since since I saw this, I think it was a, a bar down or TSN, uh, since the last time the Leafs won a playoff round, um, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal have all gone to the finals. They
1: all went to the Cups. Yeah.
2: Since the last time Toronto's won a round. Why do we talk about this every time we do this podcast? You <laughs> brought it up, man. You I know I did bring it up because it's all in the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Next
1: that's our TSN bar down insider. Thank you, Christian.
3: Yeah, don't forget Louis Erickson on the block, guys. Remember that one. Uh, well, thanks for that insider info.
2: Yeah,
3: no
1: problem. Guys.
0: <laughs> see you, boys. We'll see you next week. All
1: right, let's talk about Euro uh to wrap things up. I think we've got our predictions in with hockey, yeah. and we'll start talking about. I think our next conversation will be talking about the Stanley Cup champion and off-season moves and uh, drafts. So um, and probably we'll be talking more Euro then. Um, so uh, yeah, what do you guys uh, see from Team Italy here? Uh, and for newer listeners, just uh, for reference, everyone except for me is a full-blooded Pisón, and I'm mixed. So we have a uh, and I mixed Italian blood myself. So. We definitely have some serious fandom towards uh, the Azuri. So, uh, what do you guys see, you know, panning out? What is it that you like about Italy's team? And um, how do you see them faring against Belgium? Because Belgium is good, buddy. Like, that is the that is the biggest test they've had in four years, would you say?
2: Yeah, well, uh, they I know it doesn't count for the same, but in Nations League, Italy took uh, Belgium out. Um, this year or last year, but this will be a tough one because Belgium is—they're one of the favorites coming into it, and true favorites, not like English-style favorites. Like they favorites they're,
0: because they're the English. It's yeah, because Belgium's yeah. a good team. Yeah, Belgium. I mean, the Belgium is now
1: right.
2: Yeah, but Belgium's dangerous, man. I, I think, and the thing is, though, I don't know if if you're Belgium, you really want to be playing the Italians right now either, right? Like I feel like Italy, and I think that the underdog thing kind of favors the Italians. Because you could tell in the last game against Austria, they were favored to win that one. And they they looked like they were a bit shaky. You know what I mean? So I think I like the underdog, underdog aspect of it. Um, and I think they just got to come out and play their game. Yeah. I, I think Locatelli's got to start instead of Verratti. But other than that, um, I like the lineup. And they've got to push forward like they've been doing. But Belgium's a very good team. So if they go out to Belgium, obviously, they'll be disappointed. But... um it's Belgium. So we'll see what happens. What do you guys think?
0: Like Mikey was saying, like, you know, at the end, if they lose to Belgium, it's going to be, you know, okay, well, it's a good learning experience. The team is young, you know, from everywhere, you know, there's a couple of veterans here and there, but they're not, they're, they're really young and they're building towards, you know, being a true, you know, the true Italians that, you know, that, you know, we expect them to be is the, you know, always going to be there, always a top team, always considered to be, you know, a team that should be going to the finals or at least the final four last game playing Austria, you know, they had a bit of a scare, especially in the second half. Cause from what I was watching Italy, just, it seemed like they kind of went into a shell and Austria just saw that and they kept pushing and pushing. And if it's not for VAR, you know, Italy's gone. They're out, yeah. You know, they're out. And the VR the VAR sort of saved them, still a little bit shaky even throughout the, the second half. And then once they got to extra time, it's sort of they put their foot down and, you know, they started to push and started to, you know, take it, you know, take it to Austria like they should because at the end of the day, they are a better team, you know. Their
2: depth and- their depth showed. Like when the substitutions yeah. were made, Chiesa came on, Piscina came mm-hmm. on, and they they started running. Yeah. right and, and that kind of worked in their favor yeah. so
1: dude, I'm so pissed that they're not uh, that they're not getting to play in Rome. so the way it's structured is like the I next know. game in Italy is the Ukraine and England yeah Italy and Belgium are playing in Munich but it's funny eh? all these hockey nations left like Czech Republic and I know Berlin like the, they're not like the, they're not the teams that you would think mm-hmm. would have made it Ukraine would have made it to the quarterfinals. But <laughs> I, I really think basically the winner of this game, Belgium, Italy wins the Euro cup because yeah. it's pretty thin after that, man, Spain, Switzerland, Spain is not the Spain of old, you know, they're not the, you know, 21 year old Fernando Torres and, you know, <clears throat> you know, uh, Busquets and and some of the stars that they had like 10 years ago. Um the Swiss, this like the Swiss getting by France, like there's no way they've got more in the tank there. No. To be honest, to go back to Spain, I was surprised they got through Croatia because watching, um, like you forget how good Modric and Paras- Parasic are. Like they are like unbelievable players. I know Parasic plays on uh, Inter.
3: Inter. Yeah, yeah.
1: but um, but yeah, I mean I I predict that this is gonna go to an England. Versus Italy or Belgium final, which is going to be fucking awesome.
2: Yeah, in- England's path now is it's pretty clear, right? It's England. wide open. They got Ukraine next game, and then I'm assuming they get past Ukraine, and they'll play at the winner of
0: Czech and Denmark. The Czechs in and Denmark. Denmark, like, like
2: I was reading the Czechs. Now that
1: um, a lot of the NHL playoffs are done, like they've got like Pasternak. Uh, i'm pretty sure uh Vrana, Vrana, like they're all suiting up now for the soccer
2: team um like they're
1: thin right
2: <laughs> yeah no the checks <laughs> the, the checks the are are good man mm-hmm. yeah like, like the patrick teams, not over...
1: man is like that goal he scored against scotland yeah like, like they uh that had no business going in like he scored two like like, 10 bell goals against Scotland. Like, he's yeah. a serious player. But and he plays for Bayer Leverkusen, so no one's really paying attention to him.
2: Well, no, I know that's the thing. But, I mean, the, the Czechs against Netherlands, it's not like the Dutch were all over them and then took the red card. Like, that game was 50-50 up until that point. Yeah. And uh, and then the, the Czechs put it away when the Dutch uh, took that red. So Dude,
1: I don't know if it's going to be tall. Like, can you imagine a world, Mikey, as a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Italian national football team, Calcio, what it will be like if the Montreal Canadiens and the English are the champions.
2: No, don't. <laughs> the, the, only thing, the only thing I'll say is, is yeah, see, no, the English, <laughs> I, I hate, I, I hate, man. The only thing that would have been worse is if, is if Portugal had beaten Belgium and if the Italians were to lose to Portugal in the quarterfinals, I I couldn't handle it. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I think it, the Portuguese Italy rivalry is more of a cultural thing, whereas like just Team England is like they're just so hard to cheer for. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I I just
0: uh, they're I, they're uh, sort of like the they're sort of like the Dallas Cowboys of like you know of of soccer because every year, every World Cup, every year we hear. Oh, well, there's still the English, you know, we got, you know, England can win the World Cup, England can win, and they never, they always disappoint. They always lose in a shootout, you know, and wouldn't it be, it wouldn't be like the English soccer way to go and lose in the next round and shoot in a penalty kicks to Ukraine who got by, you know, <laughs> who got through today with, you know, a little bit of luck.
1: Man, it's not even like the Ukraine of old. Like is Shevchenko? Like I didn't follow the team.
0: Isn't, isn't Shevchenko coaching the Czechs?
1: I don't know, but like he's no, like the only no. Ukrainian player I could ever think of. Like, yeah, like they don't have a single like real big name player. Like, I mean, England. I would argue Harry Kane on England is like top five player in the world right now. Um,
2: yeah, he's one, he's one of the top number nines. Like he he won the scoring in the Premier League again this year. Yeah.
1: And it's um, been a long time since uh, an English player has been, like, right there at the top of the Premier League, right? Like, it's it's been a long time since England's had a player like that. Like, I think everyone and their brother thought Wayne Rooney was that player, and he, you know, Wayne Rooney's yeah. like a Joe Thornton type, you know what I mean? Like, he just can't get it done. I'm, I'm just over the moon about this uh, rejuvenated Italian squad, man. Like, like, even the young kids that they've got playing, like, it's uh, – it's fun to watch, man, and it's and it makes you feel. And it's it's nice that they still have some of the old boys, like Chiellini's been around for a long time, and and yeah, um, Bonucci, a uh, Bonucci, like you know, it's there's a little bit of like that handing of the torch going on. Um,
2: yeah, but other than that, the rest of the squad's fairly young, mm-hmm. and and they're playing completely different style, right? Italians always would sit back, wait for you to make a mistake, and counter. Whereas the way that they're playing is possess the ball and attack, right? Which they got away from against Austria. Yeah. W- w- they look like – and again, that's Verratti. That's exactly. Vodafi. they- Verratti's the slower player. He comes in the lineup. He likes to hold the ball longer. Whereas the, two, the first two games of the group stage, Locatelli was starting. Locatelli's more fast-paced, moved the ball. So we'll see what Mancini does with the eleven. But regardless, I'm, Belgium will be tough, but I'm quite confident.
0: Of the of the uh, the eight teams remaining, who do you guys think has the the best of the underdogs? You know, sort of upsetting the team that they're playing. Who would you? Who do you see as kind of the the team that maybe we're gonna watch the game? Sort of like Switzerland did with France, where you know it got the penalty kicks and one of the you know best up and coming players in the world in Mbappe, and he missed. Well, didn't miss. He got you know he stopped, but. You know, sort of that upset type of you know matchup. Where do you got to see-
1: be? Got to be Denmark, man. They have that feeling of the team of destiny, right? I could, I could see them getting through to the final just with everything going on. Um, I don't think Freddie Anderson's in net for them, which is uh, good. Um, but you know, the fact that they had that you know really stunning kind of start to the Euro that was really like hard to watch. They've got – you know, they've advanced this far. I could see them – getting past the Czech wouldn't be uh, a huge upset, but getting past England would be, assuming England beats the Ukraine. So I would say uh, Denmark, I, I would pull for
2: that. Mikey? Um, well, in that one matchup, is not really an underdog, but I can see the Czech surprising and making it to the final. Mm-hmm. The problem is, though, is that the semifinals and the finals are at Wembley, right? So, if England get through Ukraine, they're going to play at home. Of course. And just cater. <laughs> cater to the English. But,
0: but, uh...
1: What do you think about uh, uh, Bernard... Or, sorry, Ang, you, you, uh, you answer your own question, buddy.
0: Yeah. Um, if, if I was going to go with anybody, it would be the team that is playing England. It's the Ukraine. Just sort of the path the English have. They're they're the best on that side of the bracket going to be, you know, they should have the clear path to the finals. Like, you know, but, you know, the Ukraine already did one upset. At the end of the day, you know, they surprised Sweden. Who says they can't do it to the English? Just, you know.
1: Surprised by that answer, Angelo. I guess we know what side you're on in the Caribbean.
0: I'm I'm an AC fan. So, you know, Shoshenko was my guy. For the longest for the longest time I was
1: like what, what, what why are you talking about the Ukraine yeah,
0: it's the only he's the only like you said he's the only player I've ever known you set him. us up yeah you
1: set us up you asked us that question so you could talk about shevchenko
0: well I, hey yeah. he's, he's my guy you know it's it, for the years that I've I've dealt with being an AC fan which is awful at times mm-hmm. Mikey knows <laughs> Mikey being a UV fan all he's known is winning <laughs> not so- not in europe <laughs> though buddy i <laughs> no, would rather no. i would
2: rather all your champions league trophies yeah. than the that's for sure
1: dude you know what if the pre-war borders were in place all those ukrainian players would be playing for team poland anyway so whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> my next uh question i was just going to ask is what did you think about like the starting 11 and kind of some of the like for me with the with the three up front i like insigne um or bernardeski like I like the idea. How old's Insigne? Would he be like in his thirties now? He's got to be. No.
2: Uh, Insigne, maybe he's close to thirty.
1: I don't know. I I just would have liked 20s. to see. Yeah, I I think all 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 around, I think Mancini's done a nice job. My boy Chiro and Wow, what a. Right. What a Euro he's having. Yeah, he's
2: he's thirty. Insigne He's thirty. Yeah.
1: Like, Bernardeschi, like, to me, he's, like, the player of the future up front, like, even more so than Immobile or Chiesa. So, um, I, I, I'd like to see. But then Insigne had that huge, uh, like, in Serie ah, Sorry, I'm a big Serie B fan. For people who don't know, I cheer on uh, uh, Yelupi from uh, Cosenza, which is the Wolves, of course, Serie B. They avoided relegation to Serie G again this year. Not a big deal. Um, but, uh <laughs> Insigne had a had a big season, right? So I, I get I guess that's why they're playing him. But I haven't. That would be the only rotation out I would I would look to do.
0: Yeah, if there if there's one guy I'm looking to for this Italy squad, it's it's none of the players up front. It's the man on the back end, as it's always as it's been for how long with Italy. You know how long it was Buffon who kind of carried the torch, who kind of kept always Italy around. You know, this is the. Bit. You know, he was the best goaltender, you know, of a generation and probably of all time. And now you have Donnarumma, who is looking to become the next one. And I think if – Unproven. Unproven, obviously, but – How many
1: caps did he have coming into the Euro? Like 20 or something? Like he barely played international for Italy.
0: That's the only concern
2: with Donnarumma. And he's Mm -hmm. still young. He's only like 23.
1: Who's his his club team?
2: Uh, Milan.
1: It was but, well, leaving.
2: was he? Yeah, he's leaving now. I think he's going to PSG. But
1: is he okay? So if PSG's picking him up. What's Donnarumma? Is he Sardinian? Like that's a that's a Sardinian name, no?
2: Uh, I'm not sure what he is, to be honest. That's not, uh, buddy. Sorry, continue. But, but uh, yeah, no, that that's the only like concern. But he's. I don't know. Playing at Milan, he faces a lot of shots, right? Yeah. So
0: it's peppered a lot. No, no. Yeah, he,
2: he's 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 a good keeper. He's still he's young, right? This whole team, for the most part, is young, mm-hmm. except for the two center backs and uh, Insigne. In and I know their strikers are have experience, but yeah. it is a younger squad. But it kind of yeah. makes them fearless, right? So, it makes it.
1: It's awesome because it, to me, it's a win. Like if they lose the Belgium, I'm not going home crying you know yeah. what I mean? like the the advancements they've made as a team from where italy was yeah four and six years ago like it was a tough tough spot by the way john luigi donnarumma is from caslamara di stabia which is near naples so i was way off on that Sorry,
0: didn't... <laughs> <Madonna>. uh, <laughs> yeah. it's all right it, it'll be you know what it, it's sort of like it's kind of like montreal right it's you take it as far as it's gone, and and you enjoy the ride, you know, with Italy, because, you know, what if they lose to Belgium? It's like, well, at least we lost to a team that is, you know, one of the top teams in the world, and, you know, obviously a you know favorite to win this whole thing anyway, you know, and if they lose, if they end up going on, and it's like, well, we beat one of the best teams, and clearly, we're heading in that right direction as a as a nation in terms of you know becoming you know, not becoming, sorry, moving back into that powerhouse sort of status that they once were, you know, when you had Pirlo Catuso, you know, Buffon. Filippo Inzaghi. You, you know, this goes on and on. Cannavaro. Yeah.
1: Cannavaro, So, oh, man, <laughs> Inzaghi's coaching a uh, Serie B team in mm-hmm. Russia, and fuck do they give the, the loopy fix, man.
2: Yeah, they know? just got. They were in Serie last year. Balotelli was playing for them, and then they got yeah. relegated.
1: Super people, remember Super people? That's what they call Nzaghi. Anyway, he's coaching that team. Yeah. Fuck me, right?
2: His his brother's coaching uh Inter now. Inzaghi? Yeah, he he was coaching Lazio, True. but Conte left Inter.
1: Well, well, it's It Honestly, if if Italy. Um, you know, makes that next step. I would say if they beat Belgium, regardless of how it shakes out, mm-hmm. like that's uh Mancini's gonna be in that position for a long time until yeah. he says something really fucked up in the media and goes oh. missing. And
0: he's got <laughs> and he's got sort of a good vibe to him too, right? Like wanting to make sure that everybody at least gets a little bit of playing time. Like,
2: yeah, he, he I, played, I think yeah. Go ahead, Mikey. He played everybody on the roster mm-hmm. played a little bit except for the third keeper.
1: Yeah, I think that's so, him being smart and not being a fucking Mike Babcock and recognizing he's got all these young players who each of them are going to develop a little bit differently. And mm-hmm. y- you don't want to overcommit at one point, staple a guy to the bench where in two years or less than two years because you're always delayed, you know, you've got the World Cup and, you know, you'll have another Euro Cup. Like this team is set up, I would say, for the next two to three uh, major competitions with this kind of core group, so fuck man it would be it would be sweet to see them get uh, take a next step because God knows uh Scotland it was an uphill battle for them
2: they just, yeah Scotland just got to keep making the the dance though and and with playing everybody, Mancini said in an interview I think it was last week or after that third game where he played all the subs and stuff that he he made the Italian team I think it was the ninety six euros and didn't play a minute. So he wanted to make sure everybody that he brought at least got some playing time, right on. which is nice. Built some team spirit.
1: So next week we're going to talk a little bit about um, we're going to touch on the CFL as the CFL is returning to play. Mm. We're going to touch a little bit on the Blue Jays next week as well. And yeah. um, by ne- next week's going to be a packed show. We've got our first official guest yeah. um, pro athlete guest. We've got uh, a lot coming and Angelo sponsor update. Do we have a sponsor?
0: We do not have a sponsor, but if you do want to sponsor the foot in the crease podcast, you can email the foot in the crease podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, the foot in the cre- at foot in the crease podcast, and you can catch us on anchor, Spotify, uh, Google play, Apple podcast, all major streaming platforms. We are on. So yeah. And next week's episode. Well, I'll either be very happy. I might not even I might not even show up. You might get me live streaming from downtown Montreal.
1: Oh, here we go. No, I'm
0: not <laughs> no. so many can I tell you, so many people asked me, like, oh, did you go down that you saw the scene that was outside the Bell Center? Did you and enjoy I, your Saint Jean Baptiste day? I did. I had poutine, I had some Steamies, which is like the, the Steamies like, are
1: unreal, by the way. Steamies are the best. By the way, have you ever had a Walensky's?
0: No, I don't even know what that is.
1: After the show, we'll finish recording. I'll tell you all about it. Okay.
0: All right. And people, you saw how packed it was. But I've sort of watched the game from the same spot. And I know that area very well. There's not a big screen TV like at Maple Leaf Square or even how they have set up in Tampa or in Vegas. It's sort of narrow. Like, there's a lot of buildings in that area now built up. And, you know, I know someone who was down there says, we didn't know that the goal went in until about a minute and a half after because of how far he was back, the chain reaction. And I'm like, that. see, I couldn't have done that. I, I wouldn't have been able to Price. enjoy minute myself. And a
1: half. Where was he? In Toronto <laughs> like
0: No, <come> <laughs> he was on St. Catharines. That's basically <laughs> where he was. And, yeah, so, you know, I'm hoping next week is a is a happy podcast. I felt, you know, it's been, you know, maybe I even get lucky and. You know, Italy's a Euro Cup champion too along the way, but I don't want to get too greedy, obviously.
2: But, yeah, we could uh, all we can we can possibly all be upset next week. But
1: yeah, we'll
0: see. we can, we can all. Be-
1: got to come back up to Montreal and see what they can do in Canada. There's a exactly. there's a song very apropos called "Black Haired Quebecois" and it's uh, sung by Old Crow Medicine Show. Fantastic <laughs> song! I recommend everyone to listen to it because it's very foreboding for what's coming.
0: Oh, I will have a listen to it. Uh... Not now, because I'm going to go to bed now, too. Because I gotta, Me, Mike, you got to work in the morning. I don't know about you. You're in the dark. So uh, it's been fun. And uh, Angelo, oh, sorry, quickly. Is
2: Do uh, you know if Jay Perry is showing any of the games?
0: <laughs> oh, it's always showing me. Buddy, it's fully – everything's open. Everything in Quebec is open. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Drift clubs, restaurants. They super
1: Sex, <laughs> super sex re- is open. They everything. Revi- revived it from the dead. I thought Super Sex was done.
0: It's never done, man. Nothing in
1: Montreal ever done.
0: <laughs> you know that. Come on.
1: Weish's Steakhouse, I heard, closed. Which yeah, they
0: good. they closed. And another uh, staple in Montreal, Barbie Barn, down uh, on Guy, I think it was. They they closed. Never down, heard
1: too. of it. Not shocked that you hang out at a hey. place called Barbie Barn, though. Hey, it's, it's <laughs> some of
0: the best ribs and chicken I've ever had in my entire oh, life. Oh, is that what you get? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's the spot for it, right? But anyways, uh, until next Great week. My face. <laughs> All right, boys, <laughs> it's been okay. fun, boys. We'll do it again next week. Have a good night.
3: See you later.